Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone. This is Eric L. Dunham with the Mindset Disruption Strategist, and we are here for another episode of Redefining Success. And joining me today is Dr. Sydney Turner, the founder of Resilient Retreat. And I am excited about this conversation today because when it comes to really everything that everyone has been through over the last few years, we really need the, the theme is unite, empower, and thrive for people who've been impacted by trauma. And I, I, what I love about what they're doing there is, you know, a, a lot of people have been impacted by trauma over the last several years. And we'll spend some time during the show today talking a little bit about this. Our own family um, has been impacted um, and, and watching that play out in our lives. And so I, the, one of the reasons I wanted to have Dr. Turner on today. So Dr. Turner, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. And so could you just, we're going to get time to talk about resilient retreats. We're going to get time to talk about um, you and, and kind of this journey, but just tell my audience a little bit about you out, outside of that, if you could. Yeah. Well, I am kind of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love to read. I love to be outside in nature. I'm an avid dancer. I love to do dance classes I've got um, a horde of pets. We always joke we have a, a farm here at our house, <laughs> we, including one blind, deaf dog that wears diapers that we care for all the time. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit more about some of the fun things going on in our world here. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Hey, what what are you passionate about right now? I'm really passionate about talking about mental health and mm. talking about how it's not a life sentence and that there are really simple and often free things that we can do to help our mental health that aren't getting discussed enough. Mm. Mm. So true. How are you right now today getting to live out that passion? It's been an absolute dream to be able to do what I love. I remember sitting in my high school class doing my first psychology course and just falling in love and saying, oh my gosh, this is what I know I'm meant to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And I always say, I feel like I'm a magnet, like I've been so magnetized to this topic that it just kind of pulls me in. Mm -hmm. um, and I just naturally am drawn towards doing this work. Um, and so it's been a true honor to be able to start a nonprofit and to help people who've been impacted by trauma, which is often the cause of most mental health mm. um, disorders. And I myself was a trauma survivor and a trauma survivor mm. and went through my own bout of challenges with mental health conditions and um, really had to step outside of the box to find things that worked for me to help me. I went through, I don't know. 
10, 15 year journey of treating myself like a human guinea pig, trying mm. everything under the sun to help myself and getting to the point now where I PTSD was my mental health condition that I had for many years. Um, and it really was debilitating for me. Mm. And now I'm at a point where I no longer meet the criteria for those symptoms. And a lot of times we talk about mental health as a life sentence. And I love to talk with people that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. Mm. You kind of went over it. I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about your journey as much as you're comfortable doing so. Kind of like even from high school, discovering that and, and kind of what you went through because it, and we'll talk a little bit more about resilient retreat here in a little bit, but when you created something as beautiful as this, my finding is it usually comes from your own experience of trying to fill a void. Um, and the, I think we always learn from that experience. So could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is if you don't know what to do with your life, um, figure out what helps you heal and then teach mm. others. Mm. And I feel like that has been my life's journey and my life's work. Um, for me, I came from a family of addicts, a long mm. line of intergenerational trauma, a long line of, um, you know, family members going through the legal system, um, mm. family members getting taken out of homes, um, trouble with school, just really like very hard functioning in everyday life. And, you know, I'm the first person in my family to go to graduate school and to really, um, you know, step out of that intergenerational trauma pattern of addiction and mental health and just that vicious cycle. Um, and so really growing up was very tough for me. Every day was very unpredictable. Mm. And what happened as a result of that is my body went into a constant state of fight or flight, meaning I was in constant anxiety every day, so afraid for my own safety and my own well-being, which served me really well when I was in that situation of constantly potentially getting hurt um, or having, you know, something horrible happen to me or someone I loved. And but at some point when I started to go to college and I got out of that environment, that fight or flight didn't go away. And mm -hmm. so I couldn't sleep at night. I um, was struggling to digest my food. I if someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder to try to say, hey, uh, good to see you. I would like scream and just like sit there in shock, go into like a free state. Um, my dad ultimately committed suicide. My brother died in a drunk driving accident. I mean, it was just one traumatic incident after no. another. And um, I just decided that I didn't want to follow that same cycle that had happened in my family for generations. And I knew that there was a way out. I didn't know what the way out was. Mm. But I knew that I was going to find it. So I started mm. with school. I got educated. And then I did my own research and found, you know, some of the things that weren't being talked about as much at the time, things like exercise. Now, there's actually a recent study that just came out that said, in many cases, exercise can actually be more effective than medications or therapy in treating really? depression, for example. So just starting to look at some of these other things that we can incorporate that can really help us break, for me, break that cycle. And mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, I'm a, a love of lover of dance and dance was a big piece mm. of how I got back into my rhythm of not just being in fight or flight all the time, but also being able to go into what we call rest and digest, which mm. is the ability to relax. And I didn't know what that felt like for the first 20 plus years of my life, what it felt like to really relax. Wow. Wow. 
What were some of the, and you may have mentioned them already, but I'd love it. What were some of the biggest discoveries that you began to make along the way as you were kind of having to figure this out yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I had been on medications and I had done therapy and while all of those things were helpful for me on my journey, I was stuck and I had spent a long time, you know, exploring all of those traditional roots and while helpful, it was not helping me fully get to my full potential that I knew that I had. Mm. And so, like I mentioned, I just happened to think, well, why don't I just pick up some hobbies again? I'm kind of struggling right now. And I picked up dance, which I did Mm. as a child. And within a couple months, I noticed that my PTSD symptoms had seriously diminished Mm. um, to the point where, you know, I probably didn't even meet the criteria for having PTSD anymore. Wow. And then I started addressing my nutrition. I met with a nutritionist and I found out that I actually have something called SIBO, which is an overgrowth of bacteria in the stomach that can happen when you go through chronic stress. Veterans come back from war sometimes with SIBO. Um, So we know that when you go through this constant state of stress and your body isn't digesting its food because your body's ready to fight or flight, it's not worried about digestion. It can wreak havoc on your whole system. And there's actually more neurons in your stomach than there are in your brain. So gut health is heavily tied to mental health. And not many people were talking about that at that time. And so as I, as I started to address my gut health issues, I also started having better mental health. And so all of these pieces, I started journaling and writing, which is also highly effective for helping people with mental health conditions. And I just started adding all these pieces in until I was, I realized I'm like, whoa, I've never felt like this before, where I, I feel like what I think it feels like to feel normal (laughs) because my baseline of normal was just elevated all the time. What about this journey? I, you know, I, I mentioned this in the beginning and I, I, so we have um, a member of our family who suffers COVID and there were some other things that happened, just some trauma that kind of came out of that. But I feel like sometimes there's some stigma around feeling that. And it feels like when you went through this journey, you let go of the stigma in order to really pursue the health. What kind of, did, did that require a mental shift? Or, I mean, because I find that a lot of times that people will hold on to the stigma of the trauma or hold on to, or, or they're afraid to tell anyone else or don't want to really talk about it because of the stigma that comes with it. What was different about you that led, that was in this healthy place of being actually able to pursue solutions? I don't remember where I learned this, but I think what really helped me shift is that the framework of emotions are not good or bad. They just are. They're cues for what's going on in our body. So when I learned when I felt anxious, that was my body's way of trying to protect me. Then that takes the shame out of it, right? And when I feel angry, that's my body's way of telling me a bear, a, a boundary has been crossed or I've been hurt by someone and it's telling me to protect myself. Or when I feel sad, it's telling me to slow down, time to rest, time to recharge time to heal and so I guess I started to look at my emotions instead of good or bad as just cues for what's going on in my body like a headache if I'm outside all day would tell me hey maybe I'm a little dehydrated using those as cues for my body because we all have different emotions and instead of looking them as good as bad or good or bad they're just information our body is telling us about what's going on internally Talk a little bit about the journey to resilient retreat. So, I mean, you, you, you're you beginning to find some healing and some freedom for yourself. Um, 
what's the get what's maybe the gap of kind of having this vision for this nonprofit and the work that you're doing there today? Um, talk a little bit about that journey, if you could. Yeah. So I was working in academia, teaching and publishing research on trauma. And I was a little frustrated because as academics, we all sit around the table talking to each other, but often not to the people doing the boots on the ground. And the boots on the ground people who do the hard work every day are not reading the research because they're too busy working. And I realized that there is this like lack of information getting transmitted. So I said, you know what, I think I need to step away from academia and do the boots on the ground work myself. And I was doing some boots on the ground work on a volunteer basis, but I decided to kind of transition my career towards doing this full time and to really bringing in that research and evaluating things so we can show, okay, no, these things actually work. These actually move the needle for people empirically Um, because people are skeptical. I get it. There's always someone saying there's some new thing that's going to help them feel better. And so I I completely get it. So we started with just 20 volunteers. I rounded up like 20 friends. And I said, hey, I want to try this idea. Are you open to helping me? And so we just rounded up a group of volunteers, had some people in the community that were struggling and pilot tested some of the things. We started with equine therapy, Um, using horses as really a tool to heal. Then we did a round of neurofeedback, which is really looking at exercise for the brain to build neuroplasticity. We did some support groups and really we were finding amazing results doing this. So then we hired our first staff, our second staff, and now we have, gosh, we have eight staff members now, um, hundreds of volunteers. We've served thousands of people So um, really, it's just like baby steps. You just like take one step forward every day and you just keep, you know, keep moving forward. What is so talk a little bit about tell everybody a little bit about Resilient Retreat as it exists today and kind of who who's welcome and what do the programs look like? and, And tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we serve two groups at Resilient Retreat. One are abuse survivors. That's the most common type of violent crime that happens in America. Um, And then the second group we serve are all the helpers, all the people who are on the front lines who are often forgotten that experience trauma in the workplaces, like our nurses, our teachers, our doctors, many nonprofit workers. Um, the work we do is hard, very rewarding, but can take a toll sometimes. And so those are the two groups we serve. We offer a variety of things that address the impact of trauma on the mind, body, and spirit, like neurofeedback, support groups, art and music therapies, experiences outside in nature, incredibly healing and exciting, um, and many, many other options as well. Exercise classes, of course, because I talked about the benefits of exercise. And we've got 84 acres of conservation land out in Sarasota, Florida. Anyone around the country is welcome to come. All of our services are free and confidential, which is something that I felt very passionately about. As you talked about, Eric, there's so much stigma already with mental health. Let's not add another barrier of costs. So let's eliminate as many barriers as we can so people can get the help that they need. And we've got a retreat center where people can either come for overnight retreats and try these myriad of of services, or they can come for day programs. We do a mix of in-person and virtual programs so people can participate from all over the country wherever they are. How do most people find out about the work that you're doing? So say someone's in a place and they're like, this is something I need. How are most people right now finding out about that? Mostly through Google. Um, I don't know how. (laughs) We have like somehow 
pretty good Google analytics, but, um, but yes, people tend to find us through Google and, or through word of mouth, you know, if their friends have gotten help and they, they found help. So then they refer their friends, their family members. Without getting into too many details, because I don't want you to do that, but could you tell maybe a couple of just like some of your favorite stories of people who've come in and um, just kind of the freedom that they found through Resilient Retreat? Yeah, I have permission to share um, roughly a couple stories, like generally um, of some participants that we've had. Um, one that stands out really at the top of my mind was one of our earliest participants, and um, she was struggling with homelessness, had been a nurse most of her career, and um, was dying of cancer, unfortunately. And her dying wish before she died was really wanting to heal her trauma. And she said, can you help me? So we started with neurofeedback, um, then we did equine therapy, then she started jumping into all of our other support groups, art and music therapies, nature walks, all kinds of different things. And um, the good news is that she's no longer at risk of homelessness. She has a job now. Her cancer's in remission. Um, it's just like um, an unbelievably remarkable story of what can happen when a community comes together to support each other during times of need. Her story always touches my heart. We also had a nurse that was working during the pandemic and working um, every single day for an entire year, literally did not take one day off and was at the point of her breaking points and came to Resilient Retreat for equine therapy and just had a complete breakthrough, realized she had a substance use issue, decided to get sober and um, continually participates in our program. And both of these people actually now volunteer with us in several capacities. So it's just unbelievable how that full circle journey can happen. I'm going to imagine that um, you need financial support to run. If you're doing a free, if it's available for free, where has most of that come from? And then, you know, I've, I've got an audience here. I'd love for you to just talk a little bit if somebody really is feeling touched by this. Do you take outside financial support and what does that look like? Yeah, most of our support actually comes from individual supporters. So yes, absolutely. If anyone's interested in supporting our mission so we can continue to serve more people, we would be so, so grateful. We also have um, some of our participants choose to give back. We have a grateful participant program, so we don't require it by any means, pressure it. But some people want to give back so that other people, they pass on that baton so someone else can have that opportunity for the future. We get a number of foundation and grant supports. And we also have a for-profit revenue side where we have that 84 acres of land that I mentioned. We rent out those spaces so that that can bring in additional revenue as well. So we try to diversify as many ways as possible um, so that we can ensure to continue providing the, the resources that we do. So... Um, you know, a lot of my guests on here are business owners, but as a founder of this group, I imagine along the ways there were some setbacks and some things that taught you some valuable lessons um, and kind of shaped who you've become today. Talk a little bit about some of the setbacks as you were growing Resilient Retreat and what you learned and how that's made you better today. Yeah. If you could. I think COVID was a huge setback. You know, we were founded in 2018. And so, you know, just a short couple of years into starting, you know, the world kind of stopped for a temporary amount of time and the need exploded. 
And so we were in this unique spot of being so new and needing to grow to support the needs in the community, but also do that in a way that didn't jeopardize health. You know, we didn't know much about COVID then. And so we didn't know what the impacts were going to be. And most of our programs to date were on in person. And I had serious concerns about going to a virtual situation where if someone's suicidal, how do I intervene? How do I, you know, like all of those kind of questions that would come up from going to a virtual platform. But we pivoted and we were bold and we tried new things. It's something I'm really proud about Resilient Retreat is we're not afraid to take calculated risks and And I think that that's critical. And because we do that, we're now able to serve people, not just throughout the United States, but all over the world. So what a gift that was, you know, like at the time it was terrifying, but what a gift it was that we, you know, pivoted and adjusted and didn't just sit there in paralysis and tried to do the online programs. And, you know, a lot of my fears that I've had, we found ways of mitigating those concerns and how to keep people safe. So Um, That was a real challenge, but also a real blessing at the same time. Yeah, it definitely forced you to grow. Um, Yeah, that's that's powerful. As you look at maybe the next, I don't know how big you dream, three, five, 10 years, what are you looking forward to? And what do you what do you see maybe as the next growth opportunity um, for Resilient Retreat? I think serving children and families is something I feel really passionately about and really serving them together because oftentimes it's like children's services over here, adult services over here, and not addressing the interconnection that happens between them. And I think my life is a perfect example of, of how that can really go awry with my family dynamics I had growing up. So, um, so yeah, I think that that addressing the family aspect is really important. And then also medical. Something I feel really, really passionately about is the connection between mental health and physical health. Our brains are connected to our bodies and anything that impacts our mental health is obviously going to impact our physical health. But most people don't know trauma is linked to cancer, diabetes, heart disease. You know, all of our autoimmune conditions are major health conditions. And so having that medical component, I feel like is absolutely critical and isn't being discussed enough and something that I'm really excited about for Resilient Retreat. That's exciting. That's exciting. Dr. Turner, is there anything that you did not get to talk about today that while we were together, you wanted to make sure you had a chance to share? I know for you, you talk a lot about values and having balance in life. And I I just wanted to mention that, that um, in my journey along the way, and I know this is really important for you too, um, having that balance between your personal life um, and your work life is critical for you to be successful in the workplace. And I think that um, my personal journey has really taught me that. Like when I was not well personally, it was really hard for me to function in a professional setting at my full and my best. And um, so having those focus on time down for yourself, family, friends, having good support networks around you, all of those things are spirituality, if that's important for you. For me, it is. And all of those things are really important for you to live at your best. Yeah, it's uh, a life out of balance. I mean, and but that's kind of in one sense, the definition of what trauma does, right? It sends you out of balance and makes you think that's normal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's your body rejecting the fact that it's not normal to be out of balance. Did I say that well? I think that that's a really good synopsis. Yeah, I totally agree with that. (laughs) 
I've never heard it described that way, but I think that makes complete sense. You just heard it now. Just here. Yes. Yes. Are you sure you don't want to go into psychology? <laughs> It'd be a second career for you. <laughs> I get to, I get to do a little bit of psychology every day, but yeah, I, but that's powerful. That is powerful. Um, what about if people want to get into contact with you? They want to know more about resilient retreat. They want to find out more about what's going on. What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you're welcome to go to resilientretreat.org or add us on Facebook, Instagram. We'd love to to connect with you um, or call us. Our number is 941-343-0039. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's been so good getting to just kind of tell your story. I'm so thankful that you're out there doing what you're doing. Um, one of my greatest mottos I talk about a lot, if it's not broke, break it. And I love how you've kind of broken the way that you know, trauma and mental health is done because I think you're doing the right, you're doing it the right way and you're doing the right things. And I'm thankful for the way that you're helping other people out there. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah. So Dr. Turner, we've reached the end of the show. My last question is always the same. So I'm going to ask you, cause I can't wait to hear your answer, but in three generations, what do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you? I think I'd hope that they remembered that I cared. That's the most important thing to me. That's cared about them, cared about others, cared about making the world a better place. Just that I cared. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much again for being here. Everyone go visit resilientretreat.org. I'm going to pressure you a little bit. I mean, they need support. So um, why wouldn't you just do something financial or maybe you need to book a retreat? I mean, who knows? But um it looks, just looking at the property, I haven't had a chance to be there, but I'm looking at pictures online right now. It looks incredibly beautiful. So, um, but Dr. Turner, again, thank you for being here. We will be with you all again next time. Have a fantastic day. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com 
www.jeffreyhoffman.com. And all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.